Our gospel reading today um, comes from Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13. Listen again for the word of God for us today. Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will be passed from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, as we come before your word proclaimed, engage your spirit with ours, that we might know the ways in which you are calling us to follow Christ in these days. Help our hearts, souls, minds, and strength be committed to who you are and the ways in which you lead us. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Over the years, many of you have heard some of my stories about growing up as an Asian American and what it was like living in what I would kind of call an in-between experience of navigating one culture at home and one outside the home. I used to think it was a curse to constantly have to navigate different languages, cultures, and worlds, but now I see how much of a blessing that has been to me. And I'm so grateful that we are living in a society now that for the most part thinks it's kind of cool and not weird. But growing up this way, I will tell you all that to this day, I, there are some things that I learned as a young child that I still have trouble navigating as an adult. One of those things is allowing myself to believe that who I am, the gifts that I have, are enough for the moment or the situation that I'm facing. You see, in Korean culture, it's actually considered rude to simply accept a compliment. For example, if my auntie tells me that I look really nice, it's polite to tell her, oh, no, 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 I, I don't look good today. Or, Irene, you did a good job on this project. Oh, no, 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 I could have done better. And this crosses over, I think, into other Asian cultures as well. Um, even recently, I don't know if you've seen it, Nike released an ad for shoes. It's running. But it's about a young Chinese girl um, and her aunt who go back and forth running as the auntie tries to give her this red envelope for the new year, and she refuses it and resists it, which you're supposed to do, um, and she runs away, and the aunt like runs after her. You guys, look it up if you haven't seen it. It's funny. But it shows them throughout the different stages of their life um, trying to give each other this gift. Now, here's the thing. When you are taught to reject a compliment of any kind, especially when you begin as a child, you start to also believe that maybe you're not quite good enough. 
But then contrast that to American culture, and if someone tells you that you look nice, you're, it's considered polite to accept it and say thank you. It's such a simple thing, but can you see how that was kind of confusing for a young girl? In my family, it's rude if you accept a compliment, and outside of my family, it's rude if you reject a compliment. Needless to say, this can give you a complex. After about four decades, I think I've finally figured out how to navigate it pretty well. But true story, to this day, if you compliment my mom on anything, she's an amazing cook, but she will always, if you say, like, Esther, that was an amazing meal, she'll always talk about how she could have improved it, say no, 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 or talk about how she didn't have enough time to make it taste very good. And I find myself saying to my mom, Amma, just say thank you. And so that's the struggle of truly owning my gifts, acknowledging that I have them, living into that, sometimes still difficult for me to do. As I've talked about this with more and more people and shared these kinds of stories, I realize that even if you did not grow up in a home where you were not supposed to accept compliments and praise, we all, to some extent, have a hard time believing that who we are is enough. I read somewhere that psychologists suggest that for every negative message an elementary age uh, child hears about themselves, that they need 10 positive ones to restore their sense of self-esteem to where it had been previously. And I don't know what the statistic is for adults, but I'm guessing it's about the same. So how we are named reinforces who we become. And it seems to take continuous training and positive reinforcement for a person to get to a place of owning their light. In today's gospel lesson, Jesus tells us who we are. He gives us a name, a couple of them in this case, and he wants us to own it. Uh, This text is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount, and right before our reading today, Jesus has just finished sharing what is famously known as the Beatitudes that Reverend Sammy preached a few weeks ago. And so he finishes proclaiming these Beatitudes, and then he goes right into where we begin our reading today. And what does he say? You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are. You simply are. Notice that Jesus does not say, why don't you go think about these statements and determine whether or not they are true? He does not say, you know, one day, if you try hard enough, you will be salt and you will be light, or you might be salt and light, or you should really try your best to be salt and light. He just says, you are. You are salt and light right here, right now, my friends. Friends, we are are salty and shiny and proclaimed to be so. So what does that mean for us today? I think it's hard to understand what a profound statement Jesus was making by calling his listeners salt and light. In this day and age, we take things like salt and light for granted. But salt, for example, for the longest time in human history was known to be a huge sought-after commodity. I think up until like 100 years ago, it was not easily available. We know it was used as a preservative, but it was also used to pay Roman soldiers, to ward off evil spirits, and for all sorts of different medicinal purposes. 
And these days, we use salt also for all sorts of things, to accent flavors, to melt ice, uh, to soothe sore throats, and the list could also go on. If we don't have enough salt in our bodies, we die. But if we have too much, we also die. And so this language Jesus uses that we are salt of the earth is supposed to be descriptive. We are the salt of the earth. Um, As theologian Debbie Thomas puts it, quote, we are that which will enhance or embitter, soothe or irritate, melt or sting, preserve or ruin. For better or worse, we are the salt of the earth. And what we do with our saltiness matters. It matters a lot. Whether we want to or not, whether we notice it or not, whether we're intentional about it or not, we spiritually impact the world that we live in, end quote. It's almost like whether you accept this identity or not, you are. And so the other aspect of what this means for us today that I want us to try and grasp based on the context of Jesus speaking this um, to those that are listening is that being salt is also precious. And it's easy to miss that because salt is really uh, cheap and accessible in our day. But if we remember how hard it was to come by and how valuable it was to those original listeners, then hearing the metaphor of salt being attached to their identity meant that they were someone of value and worth. It was a major compliment. And I'm sure for them, it felt strange to hear it attached to who they were. I'm sure they were also tempted to reject it. No, 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 not me. Because if you remember who Jesus addressed in those Beatitudes, it's the poor the grieving, the sick, the persecuted, the hungry, the outcast. It was to them that he says, you, you are the salt of the earth. You who do not have it all together or are well-fed or are in fashion, you who doubt yourselves the most, have been rejected, hurt, or unloved in your life, you who feel like you've been forgotten, you are essential. You are worthwhile You are treasured, and I am commissioning you to be the salt and light in this world. Debbie Thomas, in her commentary, continues, quote, For all of us who have spent months or years trying to earn divine favor, believing that our piety might make us someday precious in God's eyes, I hope this metaphor will stop us in our tracks. Jesus knowingly named a commodity that was priceless in his time and place, and he conferred great value on those who did not consider themselves valuable. He's still doing this for us, even now. Friends, I do not know who needs this reminder today. So if you need it, I really hope that you can hear it and receive it. You are essential, not because you have it all together or because you're some great theologian or know all the answers, but simply because you are a child of God. I also know that we who bear the identity of Christian in these days need the reminder that all of us are being commissioned right now and again to be salt and light into this world. These are the days in which we cannot be afraid to claim it. This is not the time to reject it or hold it back out of politeness. We need to own it. You see, even though I've been talking more about salt, 
both salt and light are utilized best when it's scattered and poured and dissolved out into what's around it. This means if we want to enhance, preserve, deepen, and share love for God and neighbor through justice and peace, then we cannot keep hiding behind these walls and claim this identity only when it feels safe and comfortable. Salt does not exist to preserve itself. It exists to preserve what is not itself. Light is great because it's illuminating something else. Jesus asks us to shine our light before others. We shine not for our own sake, but for the sake of others. Jesus later even uses the metaphor of dying to self, dying in order to live. Our goal is not to become what we think God thinks we should be, but to live into who God already says that we are. I want to close with some words written by um, a man named Keith Lewis. I actually don't know Keith personally, but I read a post that he shared that kind of made the rounds in my social media circles, and and I also shared it to my own uh, social media because of the way uh, his honest words enlivened my own hope for what it is that we are called to be and do as a church. Some of you have read it, but I want to share it with all of you. And he writes... I want to go to a dying church. I want to sit in the pews of an aging congregation with wrinkled faces and wise hands. I want my kids to have a couple friends and 36 new grandparents. I want a retired school teacher to slip my kids a silver dollar when he comes down our aisle. I want to go to a church that made hard choices and paid for it. I want a church that will leave me with dignity if I ever have to go that doesn't claim to be anything other than a small part of the body of Christ. I want a church that split when they ordained women and split again when the pastor performed her first gay wedding. I want to go to a church that chose love, a church where the gay organist cried when his husband was ordained, where the congregants tried to use the pronouns they, them, there for the 17-year-old trans kid who comes alone but never sits alone. I want a church that makes hard choices, that will do what is right, let the consequence follow. Because that is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus led a dying movement. His friends betrayed him. His father forsook him in the garden. And only a few women stood by his cross and cared for his body. That's what I want my kids to learn about God. Even if Sunday school only has a couple other kids. My friends, in so many ways, I love this because I believe Stone Church is living into this identity. We have to keep reminding ourselves of who we are and who we are continuously called to be. In these days, both then and now, Christ calls us to get out of cruise control with our faith and dare to dig deeper. It's too easy, I think, to look around this nation and world and to feel helpless and to say that, your saltiness is not flavorful enough, or that your light is dim. But today, let us remember the precious identity that Jesus placed upon all of us. Be salt. Be light. Be salty and shiny. Do not wait until what you think is the perfect person or the perfect Christian, because otherwise we would never start. 
There are people aching to be known and named as something good. And we are the ones to share that good news with them. Friends, today, let us trust that the love of God not only claims you and me, but shows up in you and me. We are salty and shiny. So today, do not reject this blessing, but receive it. Scatter and shine it so that, we, so that everyone we encounter may know how beloved, empowered, and precious they are through the grace, love, and power of God in Christ. May it be so. Amen.